Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry and I talk about the big return of Monday Night Raw to the mecca of professional wrestling, Madison Square Garden. What does it mean for the WWE? What does it mean for the fan? That Raw is back at MSG. And we have Natalia that's going to join us to talk about some of her favorite memories of the Garden. And also when it comes to, how about this, Bret Hart and Owen Hart, their big match at Madison Square Garden. Plus, we talk to the nation about some of their memories and thoughts about the return to MSG. And also, we have a very special guest. You've heard Bray Wyatt's entrance theme. You've heard Aleister Black's entrance theme. How about Jamie Morgan of Code Orange, the band that does both those themes? He joins us about his memories of being a fan, what it means to be part of the WWE, and those two now iconic entrance themes. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Raw and SmackDown are going to be live at Madison Square Garden and again, it harkens back memories of MSG, the, the, the monthly shows that we used to watch on the MSG network of the WWF at Madison Square Garden, all the great memories. I mean, I mean, you, you hear about it all the time. Jimmy Superfly snuck off the top of the cage against Don Morocco back in October of 1983. You know, Hulk Hogan winning the WWF championship at Madison Square Garden against the Iron Sheik, you know. The Iron Sheik having the camel clutch on Bob Backlund and Arnold Skull and throwing in the towel. And that's how Bob Backlund lost that WWF championship. Dusty Rhodes going up against superstar Billy Graham. I mean, so many great memories from that amazing Sergeant build. Slaughter and Pat Patterson. Yeah, the, oh, the, oh my gosh. The Sergeant Slaughter and the, and the, the Iron Sheik. Boot camp match. I mean, boot camp match. Oof, I mean, so many memories. And then even further, when you talk about like here in the studio, we have WrestleMania 10 on. Bret Hart against Owen Hart. I mean, so many amazing memories at Madison Square Garden. Do you have any short stories or memories of being at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, and you know, I talked about it last night. Like, you know, I had a championship match with Jack Swagger that was pretty hard to follow. And it was just a lot of fun. And we we wanted to steal it. You go you go into the garden with the with the mentality of I'm I'm going all out. I'm going to have the best match that I could have. And Jack was the champion, and we had a good one. And, I, man, I was so proud of that match. And it, it was one of those that carry you uh, over a long period of time because you did good at the Garden. Man, unbelievable. And I remember doing that show with Chris Jericho, and both you and Chris Jericho on Talk is Jericho, sharing memories of Madison Square Garden. And then understanding, too, that now with the Barclays Center, it's cheaper, it's easier, it's more accessible. You've talked about that, Mark, that it's actually so much easier and cheaper for the WWE to have a SummerSlam, to have a Raw, to have a SmackDown at Barclays as opposed to Madison Square Garden. You know, and, and it's not just the economics of it. It's, it's the you you can you can get there. The fans could get there, and, and the accessibility. Mm-hmm. Like you drive, get a car, you drop off right in the front, and you walk in. Like in the garden, you got to stand in line. You got to go around and about, and in and out, and go through metal detectors that are ancient. Well, of course, they've upgraded everything now since then, but. Uh, there was a time when it was just, you know, more difficult. 
and you know, I and I can understand that. And you talked about like before that the WWE or or MSG kind of forgot about the WWE. But you could say that the other side too that the WWE forgot about MSG. Hey, this is the first time in over ten years. What did it take? It took that probably that sold out New Japan Ring of Honor show for them to recognize. Hey, you know what? We probably shouldn't, you know, forget about this building and how special this building is. And yeah. I'm sure with Vince McMahon, I'm sure that somehow, some way, Vince McMahon had to be hurt by the fact that another wrestling organization came into that building and sold it out. You know what? I would think so. I mean, I would if it was if it was my company. I w- I would want to keep a. For lack of a better term, a stranglehold on on all the venues in the New York State, mm-hmm. uh, not just the city, especially one as highly regarded as the Garden, because it's special. Because and it is special, and not just from the the boxing and the basketball and all the shows that are performed, uh, the concerts, you know, Springsteen Streak and. The list goes on. The WWE has been coming here for a very, very long time. And wrestling at the Garden is its like going to Venice Beach and going to the gym or, or running the boardwalk. Like there, there's some things in America that are historic and um, you, you want to preserve those. And I don't think that uh, the WWE felt like it was preserving that, and they had to get back to it. All right, it's special to you as a performer. Your first time oh, playing yeah. the playing That's the right. garden, seeing that ceiling, knowing well, what the that first building... time was horrible. I I, I I know it was a horrible experience. Explain <laughs> that. How was it a horrible experience? I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I tripped going through the ropes, and I didn't fall down, but I stumbled. And the guy in the front row, big mega fan. Boo, get your green ass out of here. Like, he just let me have it. And then everybody else piles on. And you're standing there thinking about what's next. And all you can feel is this overwhelming sense of failure. Oh, my God, I ruined the whole night stumbling through the ropes. So it was was not my my best work. I I can understand that, but... Did were you maybe a little bit more nervous than usual because it was Madison Square Garden? Exactly, and that actually is a good thing when you learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. But I was new, and I could not get myself together. I almost threw up right before I walked through the curtain. Wow! And I was swallowing it down when I walked to the ring, and oh my god, that was I just I'm sitting here, I'm getting nervous just thinking about. How nervous I was. And, and and that's because you knew how special that building was. And everybody made me aware of it. Like, yo, this is the garden. It's like, it's going to be like a pay-per-view. Like, do your best. Don't save anything. Like, this is, this is where it is. All right, so this is a great point. So you knew, you already knew it already. But in case you didn't, there were people in that locker room that reminded you how special this building was to the company. Do you think that goes on now? Do you think that there's younger wrestlers on the roster that are going to be working tonight or tomorrow night and that there's somebody saying to them, hey, you really need to understand the importance of this building to us? I, there, there will be. The, 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 the best guys and the veteran guys will be letting everybody know. Okay. That's that's just that's a given. And you there's post-its on the wall when you walk in, locker room this way, do your best. This is the garden. Wow. And it, it's different. It's it's not like uh any other thing that we do other than WrestleMania. All right. So obviously the garden's important to you. For me as an old school fan, I'm forty eight years old. The garden means something to me. I'm wondering if there's a fan base now that watches the shows that it's lost on. I'm wondering, listen, it's been 10 years since there have been a Raw or SmackDown. It's been years since they've had a pay-per-view. It's been years since there's been a significant moment at Madison Square Garden. I'm wondering if there's a generations of, of fans that, you know what, think, hey, you know what, it's not that big of a deal. Because you know what, 
the forum out in LA means just as much to me. You know, the the the, the arena in Chicago means that much more to me. Out here in in Philly, blah blah. blah. Are there now fans that are just lost completely on how special and what the Garden means to the WWE? I hope not. I would hope not because the Garden, to me, is where the greatest performers that ever performed went. And your goal was to be able to get on the card. I mean, you're only going to have eight matches maybe, Mm -hmm. nine at the most. And you wanted to be one of those guys. And if you weren't on that garden show, one, the payday was going to be awesome because it was such a big venue and so little people performing. But also it was the prestige of being able to say, hey, I performed at the garden. Or even taking it another step forward, I main evented at the garden. My name was on the bill. Madison Square Garden in lights, New York City. Mark Henry versus <laughs> man, that's it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat in any venue, whether you're there to box, wrestle, perform as a singer, do a one man show, a comedy, or whatever. Like the Madison Square, the Madison Square Garden is the standard. This is Broadway. And to be able to say I performed there, you made it. Gorilla Monsoon used to say it all the time. Madison Square Garden, the mecca of professional wrestling. Do you agree with that statement? I do. Around the world, um, there's many venues that we go to. And in my opinion... And a lot of people, like we had the conversation with Jericho, we all think that the garden is the place where you go to perform to make history. And it's been 10 years. So it's 10 years since someone was able to go there and make history. History will be made tonight. There'll be somebody that's going to come out of tonight that we'll talk about for the next 10, 15 years. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. I'm wondering tonight, MSG, how loud that building's going to be. The first time there's been a Raw, and tomorrow night, first time a SmackDown in over 10 years, as Gorilla Monsoon used to call the mecca of professional wrestling, Madison Square Garden. And I know for me as an old school fan, extremely significant having the WWE back at Madison Square Garden. We saw it back in April. Ring of Honor in New Japan at a sold-out Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden still means something to me, Mark. It does, and and it should because it's the the Garden is is earned its special place, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just wrestling that got that job done. I mean, it's it's the mecca for entertainment. So that being said, music, the fine arts like sporting events, like boxing, and now MMA. Like, there's so much that has come to New York City that it used to go through the garden. Speak Celine Dion concerts. Bette Midler at the garden. Like, that's that's what you is synonymous with, being at a, competing and performing at a high level. And it was only right that everybody that loves pro wrestling get to see pro wrestling in the biggest stage in the world. And for me as a fan to walk into that building, to look up, see that ceiling, even though that the building's been renovated, it doesn't matter to me. You see that ceiling, you see that exit sign. 
and it reminds of, like we talked about, that microphone coming down from the ceiling and Howard Finkel introducing those matches. I look at the table outside the ring. I think of Gorilla Monsoon and, and Pat Patterson doing the commentating. I think of all the sellouts of Bruno San Martino defending that WWF championship, Bob Backlund as WWF champion, Hogan beating the Iron Sheik in January of 1984 and winning that WWF championship, Jimmy Superfly Snooker going off the top of the cage and missing against Bob Backlund. But then in 1983 in October, Jimmy Snooker jumping off the top of that cage onto the magnificent Morocco after that match and losing that opportunity of winning the Intercontinental title. The Rocks debut. Right. You know, we just played a Triple H coming back from injury. John Cena winning the Royal Rumble. I mean, so many significant memories. Even now, you look at a Kofi Kingston, who's your WWE champion, who we're going to see over the course of the next two nights at Madison Square Garden with Raw and SmackDown. His big moment before WrestleMania 35 was the match that he had with Randy Orton at Madison Square Garden. To me, there is an encyclopedia of memories with what, as I said, Gorilla Monsoon used to call the mecca of professional wrestling. I heard a great story about Bruno Mars performing at Madison Square Garden and saying that it was it was a big moment for him to perform at Madison Square Garden, not because he made it mm-hmm. as an artist, that he had sold out Madison Square Garden, but that the reason that he was named Bruno was because his dad was a fan of Bruno San Martino, and Bruno San Martino performed at the Garden. Hell of a story. Yep. Hell of a story. And I, I just, I just sit back now and I, I think about how his his parents must feel to see their kid sell out the Garden, and his dad was coming to shows to see his, see Bruno San Martino, his favorite wrestler. And name his kid after him. I, I, I'll, I'll even take it to the present time with somebody like Zelina Vega, who I'm very friendly with. You know, she lost her father at, you know, 9-11. And, you know, her dad used to have her watch professional wrestling. And her first ever performance at Madison Square Garden, how that, what that meant for her emotionally, the, her ties with her dad, her dad being a wrestling fan. That, that's the other thing, too. It's one thing to watch it on that little box that you have in your living room on your TV. But I'm sure everybody has those memories the first time they ever went. You have you have the memories the first time you ever performed at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I have the memories the first time I ever walked into Madison Square Garden. And, and, and to look at those places in the arena that I only saw on TV, the, you know, the brute advertisement that was all the way up and uh, up, uh, yeah, yeah, up in the you know, upper tier. And like I said, the exit sign and the ceiling and everything else like, you know, as a kid, you saw that so many times on your TV. And then when you walked into the arena, that larger than life, that building, it means something. And you could there could be other buildings that you grew up. You know, going to see wrestling. I know I did. It wasn't the Garden. But the first time I went to the Garden, how significant that moment was for me as a fan. Dave, I mean, the the nostalgia of anything is, you know, special. But I have to equate the things that um, did it for me as a kid. And that was pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing Andre the Giant. In, at the Beaumont Civic Center, which is a small building, only held about 4,000 people. I can't imagine if my experience, what my experience might have been like if it was in New York City, 17,000 people, and I got to see Andre in the garden, how that must have would have felt like. What would it felt like? And for people like you whose experience was that, Give me a uh, like a just a brief like side note of something that struck you so much that even to this day when you go in the garden, you still feel that same thing. It's the anticipation. Forget about like those moments of walking into the corridor and seeing the arena. Like I said, seeing the ceiling and the exit sign and the brute advertisement. It's the anticipation beforehand. When when my father would turn the corner and you see the arena from the distance, 
Like that's that's something you only saw on TV, and and just the feeling of buying the program outside, getting the hot dog, getting the pretzel, and then and then walking to the garden, just the feeling, the smells of the city and the taxi and the traffic, and you know, just the anticipation of knowing that you're about to walk into a building wow. that has such a rich history, history that you have to cut with a knife. Like you mentioned the Brunos and the Backlands and the Ogans and the Andres. The first ever WrestleMania was in that building. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. The man behind Code Orange joins us here in studio, and that's Jamie Morgan. Jamie, how are you, man? What's up, man? How are you? You know what? I'm, I apologize, first of all, because you were supposed to be in studio a little bit earlier, and I, I was sick in the hospital, and I canceled because I told Alex Metz, our producer, I, I, you know what, if you're going to have Code Orange in studio, it's got to be when I'm in studio. So <laughs> I appreciate awesome. I appreciate you coming back. No, thank you, man. Are you all right? You all good? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, still the, that's still left up to debate. That's right. I you came know, back we, way too early. We're just trying to keep him from doing too much. And I, we have Zen music to make sure that he <laughs> comes back down. Don't get too too excited. Stay hydrated. He's that's drinking right. plenty of water. He's on the tea. And uh, I, I I just hope that you know you wasn't like some of the bully Ray's conspiracy theories <laughs> that thought Dave just wanted a day. He off. wanted out. I he thought uh, he didn't want off. me in here. That's why. No, no, no. It's actually the opposite. As a matter of fact, my doctor wanted me to take another month off, and I said, "No, wait, Code Orange. You know, Jamie's going to be in. So if no. I do die, it's probably because of you. Jamie, Great, but I'm glad fault. that you're here, Jamie. I have a question for you. Let's go. How did you feel? When Bray Wyatt made his first going down the ramp mm. entrance, it was amazing. Straight up, we all we kind of found out pretty last minute that that was what was going down as as always over there. So we all gathered around, we're waiting, and they don't you know they don't know necessarily. I think when stuff's happening until they when it's know, happening. They just won't tell. <laughs> yeah, us. maybe they won't tell it. Well, we're sitting there waiting. We're and it was getting towards the end of the show. We're like, is this happening? We really didn't know for sure. It was happening until it happened. So when it happened, and it, I, I was like, wow, it blew us away. We were so excited, and it looked so – the visual aspect of it, it was like this is greater than we could have ever imagined, you know, so. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm, a, I'm not a horror guy. <laughs> so when he came down, and the first thing I saw was the lamp yeah. of Bray Wyatt's head with the mouth open and the, the light coming out, and with that music, with that <laughs> – that like it was it amplified the experience and sure. music has always done that for me it's always been something that amplified a time or experience um alex thinks it's hilarious that uh i'm a guy that has nightmares you know big old <laughs> burly dude 330 pounds you know, go to sleep after watching something that's remotely scary and then I'm waking up screaming. Oh, no. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I was down in Orlando for the reunion show and I'm standing there talking to Mick Foley and all of a sudden Bray Wyatt walks up and he's got the mask on and I turn and I see him and I just bolt. I just take <laughs> off running. Oh. <laughs> And I'm running through, and people are, like, parting like the Red Sea. Yeah, I And, <laughs> and I, I, I'm running, and I get to a dead end. It's an elevator. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm hitting the button trying to go up oh, and stuff. Lord. And, he, of course, he he wasn't even following me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, I mean, if he had been following me, that really would have sucked. He's he gets into it. He I had the privilege of seeing the lamp and the whole deal, like, a while ago and he just sent me like a picture of it and i was like they're really gonna let you bring this out this is insane and they did they let him do the or he did the whole everything you wanted to do so i mean it was completely his brainchild like deeply and you know him and the the you know i don't want to say i don't know what he wants me to say but the people that you know they worked with him on all that stuff i mean they're they were so had so much creative uh control over everything they wanted to do and 
It was. It was. It. He had it come right out of his head the way that it is. Were, were you able to sit in on the process and see the some of the product, the finished product, and then base your music off of that, mm. or did you listen to his old music and then have your idea of what it is? Uh, because that when you listen to it, first it sounds like just a hard rock, like punch you in the face type of song, and then. You know, then you get the you get the the, the head sway gimmick. You know, like mm-hmm. it, how did how did all that come about? It honestly was super organic the way it happened. Basically, he followed us on Twitter. Like this was like a year ago, and I just followed him back, and I literally just messaged him, and I was like, "Hey, I think we should do something together. I think our vibes." fit especially if you're following us you like the band just keep us in mind for whatever and he hit us back a little bit later and we we kind of gone back and forth about it and you know it's it's there really aren't any songs they have right now that are done entirely by bands or by artists they do collaborative type of things with the people they work with but it's very rare i don't even know if there is one currently where it's just you know the artist just does it and 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 that's it so we had to work on that so uh he uh, eventually he just messaged me and he was like, "Hey, call me right now." We just got on the phone for like an hour and a half, and he told me what he was planning on doing and what he was into, and I knew exactly. Obviously, I had seen. I'm a fan, so I've seen all the Bray Wyatt stuff, but just in terms of like culturally, what I feel like he was trying to pull from it, it's in line with what we do and the emotions we're trying to pull on in our regular music. So, which Did is you go fear, through Neil you know? Lowry. Uh, not. Not really. I meant not for this, actually. Neil hit us up to perform at the NXT when we did. But this was okay. directly just us beating down Bray's door. And then Bray, I think, having to really go to bat for it and be like, this is it. And like I said, we the way we the way we made the song was we got word from Bray, hey, try. Because we don't, we didn't have any final confirmation. We never got told, "Hey, you guys can do the song. Here's the material. Work with it." None of that happened. So we went to YouTube, watched every single one of those Firefly Funhouse, and watched everything. And I just made a list. I made a list of the hurt heel. I saw that on his gloves, and we just kept watching it, kept watching it. And we just sat there. We knew we wanted it to be reminiscent of his old song. We put it together. Again, no input, no uh, no confirmation that this was going to... No, don't do this. No, do no this parameters. or don't do it. Yeah, they didn't tell us to do it. Wow, they that's ne- awesome. They never told us to do it. So we just said... We pretty much decided we were going to Europe a couple weeks later. Uh, we were playing a couple shows with Slipknot. And so we decided, you know what? If we don't get this done and recorded right now, they're going to be able to have the excuse... Not really the excuse, but the reason to say, hey, they can't get it done in time. You know, we, we hit them up, but it's it's too long to make it happen because that's how it works. So I'm like, you know what? You Let's gave them no talk. excuses. Nothing. Zero. And, and, you know, they talk about the WWE, how everything is so controlled. But think about this. They come up with the song. This is the first. Yeah. I've never heard nothing like this. Straight they up. put it together, and, and, and for the most part, the song that you put together really hasn't been changed lyrically. It has not been changed at amazing. all. Amazing. The only thing that was ever changed Damn. is they added the you know the intro they did at SummerSlam. They kind of chopped up some of the intro stuff, so it went with the video, and so it was like a little bit different. But the song they put on Spotify and everything, that's the song we recorded at my house with our stuff with no input and no changes they didn't even and that was really cool of them like and being a fan i hear the same things that you're referring to which is like how hyper controlling of an environment maybe it is or maybe it's not yeah. you know, i don't really know but that's what you hear and this well, was you don't not have like that. that experience yeah <laughs> i'm yeah, saying it is, it is yeah. hyper controlled and what you just did does not happen yeah in 20 years i've not ever heard that well, I really feel like that is because of him because I don't – again, I don't want to say exact timeline or anything, but it was down to the wire. We had we were sitting on this song for a while, and, you know, they came to Pittsburgh the week before SummerSlam, and we're from Pittsburgh. So we met with him, and I just, me and him just talked about it, chopped it up. We went to eat, and we were both just like, we got to make this happen. This is the song, 100%. This song is going to make, could could make the moment. Because this is the song you wanted. You describe what you wanted. We made exactly what you wanted. And no one's going to, no one's going to do it better than that because this is right from you. And he just he went in and he fought for it hard. I'm pretty sure. And and they they were great about it. So I'm, I'm respect just to them. Here spellbound. Well, you know, the, there's two things. The only the two things I can think of. 
Mark. One is they probably are putting a lot of stock into this Bray Wyatt character, The Fiend, that they are convinced that this is going to be the next big thing. So they're putting a lot of stock into it. And two, they just love the product that was yeah. presented by yeah. Kodal. You know, they, they said, hey, this is perfect. This this exemplifies everything that we want to throw out there I, on I our I want to hear it again because I, I, I listened to it last night because I knew you were going to be here. But like when in this studio, it sounds so much better because you can hear yeah. the music, all the little bitty details. Absolutely. And that 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 roar, like is is that your voice or is that some uh, some kind of instrument that y'all use? We actually did a mixture. I mean, our band normally it's a lot of roaring, you know. But uh, we we went to. I mean, I don't want to say exactly how he did it because I don't know what he wants me to say or whatnot. But we chopped up a bunch of samples. We we tossed things in there. We took voice samples that we wanted. Uh, we did a lot how we do our own music. Our music is a mixture of metal and hardcore, but also electronic music and industrial and all. So we're used to you know chopping up vocal samples and messing with them. And we took his stuff from the videos. And we chopped it up. So some of it's him, his voice clips, like the kind of stinger at the beginning, you know, where like it builds up. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the these last like eighteen, nineteen months been for you? I mean, it's been amazing. Our band has been on a very long journey. I mean, we started. We started our band when we were 14 years old. We all met in high, middle school and high school. And as soon as we graduated high school, we started touring when we were 17. So, I mean, we've been touring, you know, in vans, playing everything from people's houses and basements all the way now up to, you know, where we're growing to now. You know, so it's we've been working hard for a really long time. So it's kind of just pushing forward and we've learned to try to really try to find our own opportunities because they never it doesn't really fall in our lap like I don't think as great as WWR and like Neil is and everything I don't think we ever would have been emailed hey do you guys want to do this song that type of thing doesn't really happen for us so you know we just we that's taught us to just go for it and uh I think uh the past this all this stuff with the WWE it's been amazing straight up it's been it's uh, the first WWE show I ever went to was it was I think it was no it was John Cena debut with Kurt Angle wow in, in Chicago Russian. yeah yeah and uh, so I've been watching yourself and everybody my whole life so it's it's been unbelievable it's been awesome I, I, I got a, a question to take you back to uh, when you met the guys in your band in the seventh eighth grade junior high middle school you said I have a son that that's a lead singer in a, in a band that's awesome and you know like some kids like look down on them playing music and uh did y'all ever go through any of that like where you you had people that was like man y'all are weird or you know this is you're not gonna make it or like any of that stuff for sure i mean 100 percent. we didn't even i mean this is a story i've told before so it's whatever but we didn't even get into like our high school's battle of the bands there was only like six bands and one band couldn't get in and all the other bands didn't even vote for us to get in you know what i mean so we've always just been pretty wow. <laughs> it was like a situation where everyone's sitting there and it's like raise your hand for each band situation oh, because we were terrible which is cool and we're like a punk band so it's it was very like Not even more popular, terrible yeah yeah but we were so aggressive about you know, pushing ourselves uh, in people's face. Like, we would hand flyers outside of school and sometimes just throw flyers at people and stuff. But, you know, yeah, we got all kinds of stuff like that. But we, like I said, we were committed very early. What kind of happened is when I was in middle school, I was in another band, and it kind of fell out. So when I started high school and I met Reba, actually, who is is, uh, my bandmate, I told her right then, I was like, okay, you know, being 14, not knowing anything, it's like, okay, if we start this band, when we graduate high school, we can't go to college or anything. We have to just go touring. Wow. And she was like, okay. And right, we I, actually did that. I, want, I actually want you to hold that thought because when we, you, can you stick around for oh, a few yeah. minutes? As long I'm as sure you want. your parents love that. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. The Fiend song, yeah, that's me on drums, and that's me and uh, Reba singing. 
And uh, we got to play Alistair's song uh, at the NXT just through, again, a kind of similar thing, just knowing him. And him being super into metal and heavy music. So there's a lot of guys back there who are into that. Baron sort of thing. Corbin's another big He's metal cool. head. Yeah, we met him. He actually yeah, hung I, out with us. You know how angry you got most of our listeners by saying Baron Corbin is cool? Because <laughs> well, everybody hates. I love Baron <laughs> Corbin. Mark's a big Baron Corbin guy. People hate Baron Corbin. Well, he's a cool guy. He was like, we were backstage at the NXT and then. Um, the SummerSlam the next day, last last year, actually, I think. And we were just sitting there all eating, like, at the catering thing. They told us to go eat. And he came and sat with us. <laughs> I'm awesome. in line next to the big show and stuff. I'm like, this is insane. But uh, we didn't want to bother anybody, so we were just keeping ourselves, obviously. And he Listen, came and sat man, with us. Listen, man, you got the right to bother whoever the hell you want to when right. you go in the back. Because all you got to do is say, hey, man, it's Jamie from Code Orange. <laughs> That's it, Everybody man. Be like, oh! Oh, yeah, Especially right. now, yeah, after being right. on Busted Open. Now, you're a big wrestling fan. <laughs> you're, you're over now. Yeah, you're over now. I hope so. Now, Reba, I'm guessing, this is just a guess, is not a wrestling fan. She's down with it. They're all down with okay. it. But, like, they're not fan fans the way that I am. And, and uh, But they all, they've gone to a bunch of shows. I mean, they've gone a million times now. They know all the guys and everything. I just saw, uh, this is why I'm such an ass, Mark. I just realized, and I actually kind of remembered it the first time we thought we were going to have Jamie come on the show, but my stepdaughter, Sarah, is a big Code Orange fan. Nice. Like Her two favorite bands are Code Orange and Typo Negative. Oh, I love Typo Negative. And I didn't even think of asking her to come today. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I just realized just right now. What's that? It just, it just hit me now. Well, that's a good two favorites, I'll tell you what. All you got to do is say, hey, guess what? You know, it was kind of impromptu. We didn't even know it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking not saying anything at all. <laughs> like, I, think the, I, think, I think the best thing would probably not to say anything. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if that's going to go over well. And he's wearing a typo negative jacket. Oh, yeah. We just did a really cool interview with, typo, with the two of the members of typo negative where we got to interview them about all their records. Uh, this was actually the week when, when we were supposed to be here. Uh -huh. uh, it was really cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a good story to share with Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll get her a shirt or something. picture right now, him with the typo. Oh, don't do that, Mark. That's, you know, whatever. She's going to have me blocked anyway, so she won't see it. Um, Your boy Baron Corbin just texted me. He was like, for real? yo, what's up, man? I just woke up. <laughs> yeah. He said, Code Orange. He's like, who? No, that's... Uh, oh, that's cold. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just being uh, passive-aggressive because I'm cold. an asshole dad. Um, and also, too, if I'm not mistaken, you were able to use one of your own songs as well mm -hmm. for NXT. Mm -hmm. So you were able to use something that was an original song that you had on one of your albums that you are able to use on NXT and get a lot of exposure from. That's how it kind of came about is our song. You know how they have the theme songs for NXT? Mm -hmm. They don't really do that for the main roster roster pay-per-views but they have like the themes that they really push for nxt so our song was that and then our connection with alistair i think they just came up with the awesome idea of having us we we opened the show with our song live literally live on the air which was scary That's i didn't know awesome. i didn't know they flew that like seat of your pants like we did again we did not play to tracks we didn't play all the samples you were hearing in that in that in in the songs our keyboard is shade like he chopped them up as was physically playing them so if we just stopped playing this show would have just completely like went off the rails <laughs> so i was just sitting there like oh my gosh and they were just like three two one and we were just playing live like on the air and it was live so that was a really scary experience but it was awesome and with nxt they're kind of like even though obviously they're going live on usa on wednesdays they're kind of like the underground mm -hmm. brand oh yeah of the wwe so triple h has done an amazing job of like you know embracing that that style of music knowing that it's kind of underground he likes it straight up we he this is a crazy story about him so we came to new york the day before that show and they got us a little rehearsal space and we were rehearsing and they told us this is the night before that show in some little rehearsal space in brooklyn they tell us triple h is going to come to your guys's rehearsal he pulls up with just like two guys came to our little rehearsal space at like midnight and just watched us play the songs wow and hung out with us that's pretty cool and then this is like the night before his giant show and two days before SummerSlam. I'm like, this is crazy, and he was he was beyond cool. I mean, like I uh, that dude 
dude, Neil, actually, I think, turned to him and was like, you know, if, if you want anything to change or whatever, we can figure it out. And he was like, it's perfect. I was like, <laughs> wow. He is the, he's the man straight up. He, and he backstage, you know, he was running that whole show. Literally every 10 minutes he was coming, giving us hugs, saying what's up to us, making sure we were good. Like Triple H, actually. I was like, this is crazy. And he's a motorhead guy. Yeah, he likes all metal. He likes new yeah. stuff, too. He has, like, a playlist I know that had, like, us on it, and he has, you know, Metallica, Motorhead, some of the other newer bands. And so he's he's all about it. You know what goes? It goes back to high school. If you remember high school, the musicians were always the cool guys in high school that got along with everybody. It was the athletes that were assholes. <laughs> Wow, Dave, why would you do that? Sorry, it's the passive-aggressive stuff coming out again. About <laughs> Come Sarah. on, we like athletes here. <laughs> Dave. Damn. <laughs> what What are some of the bands that you grew up with? What were some of the bands that you listened to when you were growing up? We well, we got in, you know, to we got into metal and stuff through punk. So we started out with just the classic punk bands like you know Minor Threat and Bad Brains and Black Flag, and then you know we got into more hardcore and metal and got into the Chromags and got into Pantera and Typo Negative and Sepultura and you know we we love all kinds of music. Nine Inch Nails. We love. Uh, Everything. So we love hardcore. We love metal. Uh, uh, yeah, punk. All of it. It's just all we we're we're kind of like a a combination of a lot of different elements. Jamie, this has been Let's awesome. Go! Listen, Jamie, you could. I mean, if you want, you're welcome to hang here for the rest of the show. We I'll actually chill. had the show on Friday where you know Earl Campbell just hung out for the whole show. Yeah. Hall of Famer Earl Campbell. So you're welcome to hang out for the rest of the show. But if you decide not to, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on good luck with everything and hopefully we'll hear more of your music maybe in the wwe but if not code orange is killing it and we really appreciate the time thank you so much man thank both you guys man I, we got it we got to stay in touch man if you ever come to austin man i want to come see you perform you got to bring bring the kids too i would love to bring them like what you're hearing catch busted open live weekdays from 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 or on demand with the SiriusXM app. Jamie Morgan decided to stay and hang out with us yep. for the I rest of it. the show. I love it. I'm sitting here talking to him about my kids and letting him listen to them play in the They're band. amazing. They're insanely talented. Man, I, I wait till they hear this. You I gotta, gotta post that up. Have you post? Have you you post videos of them or it's, no? It's kids, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, always yeah, yeah. scared to post stuff like with them and and I, I actually put them on Facebook one time and pa Facebook took it down because of the music was not ah uh, copyrighted yeah. whatever they were doing Copyright. that to us with the, our own song for this Bray Wyatt thing <laughs> I was like dude literally we had to go around and get it like through WWE unblocked I'm like can oh we get gosh. something out from this come like, on guys like yeah. let us sell our stuff let us get something exactly just kept going down instantly all night I'm like it's like 3am the night of the summer summer I'm like please post please post and all work so oh my goodness gracious. well i mean it's gonna be uh, a big couple of nights here in new york we've been talking about it a lot especially on today's show raw the return of raw to madison square garden and the return of smackdown at madison square garden now i've been talking about it for weeks i think it's a huge deal i understand especially at my age of 48 the importance of madison square garden to the wwe the memories the moments there's so many of them and I actually went to social media this weekend, and I asked the question, is this huge just to me, or is this huge to every wrestling fan? And somebody who reached out and said, it's huge, is Natalia, and she was kind enough to join us. I mean, she's got a big show tonight, but she was kind enough to join us, and Natalia joins us here on Busted Open, and thanks so much for the time. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Well, it was important to have you on, because I know that you understand the significance of the return of Raw and SmackDown from Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I mean, it's like, to me, it's just the garden is so special. And it's, I mean, coming back, I've been to the garden a few times. I've, I've performed here several times. And every single time I come back to the garden, it just feels so <laughs> significant because some of the greatest matches that, for me, that have, you know, taken place in my family have happened here at the garden, like, Owen versus Brett, WrestleMania 10. My dad actually made his WWE debut at Madison Square Garden. Wow. And it's so, it, yeah, it's just, to me, it's like, I just, like, I've been anticipating this all week. I've been thinking about it all week. Last night I was getting emotional thinking about it because 
there was a picture I posted today on Instagram, and Gene Okerlund is the commentator, and my dad, is, it's his first time ever wrestling in WWE, and Howard Finkel is the ring announcer. And it's just like, that is history, and, and it's at the Garden, which to me, it's like, this is just, to me, is just as special as WrestleMania. And I remember, I mean, I was t- one of the first times I ever took my daughter to see pro wrestling. Not only was it at Madison Square Garden, but it was also about six years ago they had Bret Hart Appreciation Day at Madison Square Garden. And I remember how significant that was for me because they did a great job of showing some of Bret Hart's amazing moments in that building. And what a great place to have Bret Hart Appreciation Day. And I, I, I just feel like over the last 10 years, Natalia, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think maybe even, I can't talk for the performers, but I think for a lot of fans, because there's been such a void, that they've forgotten how big this building is. Well, I think because, you know, everything everything is moving so fast. And we have, you know, in WWE, we're, we're performing year-round, and, you know, every, every day it's like a different city, state, country, continent. So sometimes even we get a little desensitized to the places that we're going. But... When you look back at the history of the garden, right, there's just so many special things that have happened there. And for me, you know, I, um, I've actually spread some of my dad's ashes um, near the garden. And the reason why I did that was because my dad maintained throughout his whole career that, that MSG was his favorite place to wrestle. And so when my family, my mom and my sisters and I were deciding like, hey, you know, where do we want to you know, what, 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 what would be so special to my dad? What would be meaningful? And that was just so meaningful for him. So for us, like this is, you know, again, it's my dad's favorite place to wrestle, but it's also, there's no, there's no place more special to compete than at Madison square garden and to be back here two nights. Um, it's just, I don't know. I get goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know that's an emotional deal. Uh, as a kid, did you ever get to come to the garden and watch any of your family members perform? You know, my dad was really protective of us uh, growing up. Like he didn't want us at, he didn't want us, you know, at the shows because he just felt like it wasn't a place for kids or it wasn't a place for especially little girls because of how crazy and hectic it was backstage. So no, I didn't, I didn't get to go to New York and watch my dad perform. It was a little but, different um, back then. Yeah, and my dad was just like, you know, very and like. He was a heel very, too, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was very protective of us. But I, you know, like one of my favorite wrestling matches, like a pure wrestling match. That if you want to get into pro wrestling, if you if you really are serious about it, I always tell people watch Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania ten. And to me, like, that match is so significant because you look at WWE Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. She said when she saw that match, she knew that she wanted to be a professional wrestler. And so, you know, I look back on those moments, and, like, it's so cool to say that my family is in the garden, got to make history, you know, and they got to create some iconic moments. But part of why they were iconic is because they were at the garden. There was a special feel. It's a special... When, when you perform at Madison Square Garden, it's just a different vibe. It, it brings out different emotions in people. It brings out different emotions in the crowd and in the performer. I remember the first time seeing your father live, and it was a, it was the night before my birthday. It was back in 1985, and my, my family took me to the Garden, and it was the Hart Foundation against the British Bulldogs. And this is like a full year before uh, they had that classic matchup at WrestleMania too. And I just remember that match. And it was just a, you know, a house show. This is obviously the, the days before all the pay-per-views and everything else. And, man, seeing that match, which, you know, I guess you would call now a five-star match, but seeing your father for the first time, it's those types of memories that I think stick with fans. And, and it's not just a match. It's the environment. It's the aura. And, and those, I think, are the significant moments that fans remember over time. Oh, definitely. And, you know, New York is so special to my family. And when my dad was inducted into WWE's Hall of Fame this past year at WrestleMania, it happened in New York City and was so special. And I know that, like, it, it, just the fact that it was in New York made it all that much more special because, you know, again, this is this this area, this neck of the woods, New York City, it, it's like a very special area for for, for WWE and for wrestling in general. And it's also a very sophisticated area for wrestling where 
if you're if if the fans love you, you're going to know if you're performing at Madison Square Garden. You're, they're going to let you know if they don't like you, and you're the biggest bad guy in the business. They're going to let you know. So this is a really good place too, where you know you can really get a good pulse on who's who's you know getting the crowd's attention. So I know the Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation had so many epic matches, but again, I think that many of them took place here in New York and at the Garden and. Um, I have to actually go back and watch some of those old matches. There's been so many great moments, but um, a lot of a lot of uh, wrestlers in WWE, a lot of the superstars like Dash and Dawson, and they go back to those matches and they study them because you know they know that those guys, my dad, Brett, Davey, Dynamite, they were so ahead of their time, and it's cool to see that their style is still relevant today. Yeah, if fans could go back July 13th, 1985, from the Garden, that match was absolutely phenomenal. What are going to be some of your thoughts tonight? Like tonight when I, – and I know you've been back at the Garden and I know there's been plenty of live events, but the fact that we're going to have TV back at Madison Square Garden, the return of Raw, the return of SmackDown, what 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 are you going to be thinking about tonight when you make your return to MSG? I, I could hardly sleep last night. I just felt like nervous and excited because I know how special it is to be performing at Madison Square Garden. I never ever take it for granted, and and doing live events here is very that, that's that's very special. But to actually be doing Monday Night Raw here and and to be doing SmackDown here tomorrow, I'm not going to be on SmackDown as far as I know, but I I know that um, I'll be here at Raw today, and I feel I feel excited, I feel nervous, I also feel like I just I'm ready to feed off of the energy because I just I know. I know that it's going to be different. It's going to be like anything that I've ever experienced. And so many special moments are made here. And I'm, I'm hoping that I get one of those moments tonight. And I, I just, I'm excited. Like I'm actually excited about walking into the building and seeing everybody outside. And like the fans are what make, make all this so special. They are, there, there are no fans in the world like the ones that are going to be here tonight. Well, I, I can't wait to get over there and see you. Give me a big oh, old natty hug. <laughs> and you know, after you give me that big hug, I'm just going to give you that German suplex. There Settle you your tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Natalia, thank you so much for the time. And again, Raw tonight at Madison Square Garden. SmackDown tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. And as Gorilla Monsoon used to say, the mecca of professional wrestling. And Natalia, thank you so much for the time. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. I look forward to seeing you guys later. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.